So as I'm studying the story of Elijah, I came across a particular passage. First Kings chapter 21. I actually am going to tell you a little bit about the story and then I want us to read a specific one. This is a story where Ahab wanted a piece of property, a vineyard, but the owner wouldn't sell it. So Jezebel, his wife, says she's going to work it out for him. And it turns out where the owner is killed, murdered. And Jezebel says, honey, guess what? I got it for you. Go take possession of it. So as he is in the field, in the vineyard, God sends Elijah to tell him something. And the essence of it is this. Because of your sin, not only will you die, but your entire bloodline will be cut off. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. And mind you, Ahab has been sinning for a long time and in cahoots with his wife, or should I say, yeah, whatever his wife wanted, he went along with. Mm, that's another sermon in there. <laughs> My Lord. <laughs> so here it is now. The word comes to him. He's going to die. But now look what happens in verses 28 and 29. Those are the two I want to concentrate on. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Seest thou how Ahab hath what? Humbled himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in what? His days. His days. But in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Mercy, 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 mercy. Wow. Did you get what just happened? Who sinned? Ahab. Ahab sinned. Who should, who should die? Ahab, Ahab should. But look what happens. This is what I wanted to see. It was Ahab who sinned. It was Ahab who was rebuked and cursed by God. God declared a pronouncement upon him, a judgment. But then Ahab, the Bible says, he humbled himself and repented. Hallelujah. But look, his punishment was deferred to whom? His children. Deferred punishment for folk who didn't do the sinning. We have seen in the history of the Bible from with Adam and Eve. We are still reaping because of their choices. And I want us to look at some things because I need you to get certain things. His punishment was deferred to his children. We're going to be dealing with generational curses. We're talking about family matters. And because they matter, because our children matter, we got to deal with this topic. We often shun from it. But do we not know that stuff is passed down? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> but do you not know of somebody who the great-grandfather had a yeah, mm, yeah, slipping yeah. around problem? Yeah. Then the son and the son's son and the son's son, and now you're married to that son's son's son? Yeah. Don't raise no hands. <laughs> do we not know stories of individuals where great-granddaddy was an alcoholic? It might have skipped his son, but it showed up in the grandbaby and it passed on down. Haven't we heard those stories? Some of us are living those stories. Talk about temper. It passes down. The son saw the grandfather or the son saw the daddy beating on the wife or the mother of the children. So he now passes that down. Stuff passes down. So read with me. What is a generational curse? It's the what? The natural outcome of an act of defiant disobedience passed down from one generation to another. And that's by Dr. Cindy Trim in her book, Rules of Engagement. Here's another way of putting it. Let's look to the word of God. I want us to look at at least two of these verses. Exodus chapter 20. What's so critical about Exodus chapter 20, y'all? 
Oh my goodness, am I in a Seventh-day Adventist church? Yes. I was about to say. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20. We know that to be the Decalogue. That's where we have the Ten Commandments. And look at verse 2. And this is God speaking. And verse 2, let's start there. Are we there? Let's go. They're reading it from the King James. Let's go. I am the Lord... Which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other what? Gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any what? Graven image or any what? Likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the what? Now this is the verse I want us to pay attention to. So I want us to read this together. Um. Are you on the next? Oh, he went a little bit ahead. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a what? Jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So we're seeing that there's stuff that will pass down through the generations. God said it himself. You worship other idols? Oh, I'm not going to like that. And uh, not only are you going to pay, but I'm going to take it down to three, four generations. Mercy. But there's, there's another one. Let me say this part. Say, go to the next verse to give some hope. Because then he says, to show you how awesome God is, and showing mercy yeah. unto thousands of them that what? Love me and keep my commandments. So although he passes things down to third and fourth generation, he's such a merciful God yes, sir. Yes, sir. that he still extends yeah. it. Okay? And we're going to get to that in a little bit. But here it is. It's being passed down certain things. So we're suffering some consequences because of those before us. And the key thing is the crux is disobedience. That's what it boils down to. That's why it's being passed on because we're not obeying. So then, here we go. Are you going to be still? <laughs> I guess I pressed too hard. Okay. You're getting all the things ahead of time. So you <laughs> Let's go to Lamentations 5-7. Let's go to Lamentations 5-7. Let's read that one before we get into the crux. Remember, Ahab is the one who has sinned, and uh, it passes, the judgment passes from him to his children. Lamentations 5-7. This passage of scripture, it's on the screen. Our, let's read it together. Our fathers sinned and are no more but we bear their iniquities. They are dead and gone. But we're reaping it. So then, let's deal with a generational curse. It is basically a what? Defilement that has passed down from what? And in other words, it's a case of families bringing what? Mm. Anybody loves their children? Mm. Did you tell them that you love them today? Mm. But guess what? It's a case of families bringing suffering upon their own descendants. Have you ever set out to deliberately hurt your children? Some of y'all have a grin on your face like, mm. Mm. don't want to confess that one out loud. But here it is. These are examples of generational curses. Passions. We're talking about anger. That is passed down. We're talking about desires that are promiscuity. You know, what they call, um, you know, they have these movies and these shows out, you know, Girls Gone Wild. Well, this is passions gone wild, unchecked. And stuff passed on down from one generation to the next. Habits and tendencies. Somebody who's an alcoholic. That you would find that passing down. The tendency we see with um, lying. 
There's a tendency in families to lie. That's right. That's right. Didn't the word show it with Adam? Yeah. I mean, with Abraham? Right. And then Abraham, his son Isaac, did the same exact lie. <laughs> this is this not my wife. Yeah, yeah. This is my sister. Yeah, yeah. Same lie. Same lie. And then when you look at Isaac now had a, um, a Jacob. Didn't Jacob lie? Deceiver. Deceiver. Supplanter is his name. Habits, tendencies. Then we're dealing with ideologies and perspectives. That means mindsets, the way we look at things. Poverty is a result in the most cases of a mindset. That's a word. That's a word. That's a word. It's passed on. So if we're going to be honest, when we talk about growing up in the hood, in the ghetto, that mentality, if it's not broken, it keeps repeating generation after generation. Having children out of wedlock. It's a mindset. Yes, yes, yes. Gotta be broken. So then, this stuff is real. We see it, and we just say, well, that's the way life is because of sin. But God said, I've come that you may have life and have it what? More abundantly. And he says that you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. But what we've done is we've settled that this is life. We settled, which is back to ideology. It needs to be broken in the name of Jesus. Generational curses, illnesses, cancer. At one point, you did not hear about cancer as a rule among Adventists. Well, that thing is starting to pass on. And one of the things researchers have found out is because unforgiveness and that's anger, right. yes, that's bitterness right. that's right. is that's a key right. thing right. that throws the system off helter skelter. Ah. And oh, God, can I, ooh, can I be real? Yes. Within our denominations, we're this one. We're guilty oftentimes of having such an ideology that we are better than others. And we can be very condescending at times, y'all. Very judgmental. Very legalistic. And so unloving that instead of seeing the person for being a child of God, we look them up and down to see, no, you didn't walk up in here without any stockings. Ah! That stuff eats at us. It's an ideology. A mindset. And it then leads to an illness. And it's now passed on. And we know about it being in our DNA that certain things, diabetes, some have a propensity for it because it's in the what? Genes. It's being passed on. Ah. Personalities and temperaments. We see that. We see some kids say, ooh, you just like your daddy. Yeah. Crazy just like him. Yeah, crazy just like him. Huh? Mm. Isn't that the truth? I'll leave that alone. Come on. No, no. Mercy. Eccentricities and oddities. Some folk are just weird. Some folk just do some stuff that makes you wonder about them. And then you see the poor child and you say, my God, the child has been cursed. But we, we like to say, oh, we're just unique. That ain't unique. That's a spirit from the enemy that needs to be rebuked, cast out, trodden underfoot. It ain't cute. It's not cute. So then now we got to break the curse in the name of Jesus. So what are we going to do in the name of Jesus? Break the curse. Y'all want to keep the curse? What are we going to do, y'all? Break the curse. Because family matters. That's why we need to break the curse. So how do we go about breaking the curse? Number one, identify the curse. Some of us walk around here. And don't want to acknowledge a problem. If you came out of the bathroom and you had tissue trailing from your shoe, people see you with it. And you know, nowadays, some folk ain't going to say nothing to you. And you're walking around, happy Sabbath, praise the Lord. 
but you don't know. But you've got to identify the curse. So what I'm going to encourage us to do, who are here today, is begin looking at your family. Look at yourself. Though, how many of you have children in here? Raise your hand. Good. How many of you have grandchildren? I can raise mine now. <laughs> how many of you have great-grandchildren? Glory to God. Anybody got great-great? Ooh, go God. So then you show sure enough. Got to look back at the history line and because family matters, start breaking the stuff before you exit the scene. Because you have more history than the others. You know what great, great granddaddy was like. Start observing what is being passed down through the lineage. Depression. Mama had it, granddaddy had it. Yes, yes, yes. You know, you grow up seeing somebody sleeping all the time. Sometimes we think because they're lazy. Come on, sis. That may be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's something. It's a spirit. Because remember, it's coming from the enemy. And the enemy is a spirit. He's not flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So don't get all caught up like, oh, spirits? Yes, spirits. That's right. So then here it is. What is being passed down in your lineage? My husband and I each individually had talks with our daughters when they were younger. They must have been about between 8 to 14 years old. We've had these different conversations with them. And I remember overhearing one conversation my husband was having with one. Some of y'all looking at me like, mm, what is it? Mm-mm, I ain't telling you. <laughs> but he said, don't do such and such. Because in our family line, it will mess you up. You see what happened to uncle so-and-so? And so-and-so and so-and-so? Don't mess with it. Don't touch it. Did you get that? Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. We acknowledge, listen, there's a history in our family. Mm. Of X, watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You tell your children your own. That's right. But isn't that something we don't want to confess sometimes? We want to act like we've been saved all our lives, and that's a lie. A straight up lie. Some of us still wondering if you're saved. I'll behave. Identify the curse. Hosea four six it says. God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. You don't know. So you need to now, that's where Psalms 139, 23, 24 comes in. Search me, O God, and what? Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any what? Wicked way in me and what? Lead me in the way everlasting. So in other words, God, some stuff I can see. Some stuff I can identify. But other stuff I'm not able to, so you bring it to me. So one, identify. And James 5, 16, confess your faults. One to another. another. You've got to tell your children. Some of, us, some of us have had some secrets. And those secrets are doors that the enemy uses to continue perpetrating evil on us. You gotta confess that stuff to your grandbabies. <laughs> yeah. Let that's them know. Right. Right. Uncle right. so and so, watch out for him. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm. That's right. Love you. Confess your faults one to another. Oh, my, 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 my. And to pray for one another mm-hmm. that ye may be what? Healed. Healed. Your healing is in your confession, oh. then you're praying. Yes. Some of y'all just wanna pray about everything. When God said confess, you want to be healed, you come to the altar. Oh, Jesus, help me. Confess. All righty, okay. I'll leave it alone. Break the curse, number one. Identify the, the, the curse. This is one that I want us to touch on quickly. We knew, I just shared that generational curse of illness being an example. And in the story with Ahaziah, this is Ahab's son. Okay. When you go to 2 Kings chapter 2, I'll just tell you the story, you've got to read it. Mm-hmm. 2 Kings chapter 1, sorry. He is sick. He fell through the lattice. So he sends word 
to his God of Ekron, Beelzebub. Am I going to be healed? So God sends Elijah. Says, wait a minute, there ain't the God, the God, and no prophet in the land that you can inquire of me? Well, here's the answer. You're going to die. <laughs> and remember, identify the curse. His illness he has. The Bible says because of a fall, but there's more to it than the fall. That's right. And Ellen White, anybody in here still believes in her oh, <laughs> writings? Oh, I do. Amen. Good morning. She says in Prophets and Kings, pages 210 to 212, I want you to read this with me. It's a lot, but I want you to read it for yourself. Men today may not pay homage to heathen gods, yet thousands are worshiping at Satan's shrine as verily as did the king of Israel. The spirit of idolatry is rife in the world. Stop, what does rife mean? Just rampant all over the place. It's just in abundance. Although under the influence of science and education, it has assumed forms more refined and attractive than in the days when Ahaziah sought to the God of Ekron. Let me stop there a minute. Now on TV, left and right, we're having these things. Harry Potter. Oh, no, no, with Harry Potter. Mm -hmm, believe that. Go watch it mm -hmm, like you're doing. Look at your life now. Let's keep going. Every day adds its what? Sorrowful evidence that faith in the sure word of prophecy is decreasing. And that in its stead, superstition and satanic witchery are captivating the minds of many. There are many who shrink with horror from the thought of consulting spirit mediums, but who are attracted by more pleasing forms of spiritism. The apostles of nearly all forms of spiritism claim to have the power to what? Heal. Heal. Let's go. They attribute this power to electricity. What's the next one? What's the next one? Go ahead. Or to latent forces within the mind of man. There's one in there that rings a bell big time with us as Adventists. I see quite a few of us with it. These magnets we're walking around with as bracelets and different things because we're trying to get a healing. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the woman of God speaking yeah. under inspiration of God to the people of God. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. We're going to go on for a quick second. Let me see where it goes. Let's go. And there are not a few, even in this Christian age, who go to these healers instead of trusting in the power of the living God and the skill of well-qualified. Did you get that? Some of us want to just pray a thing when God has set up well-qualified physicians to heal a thing. But instead of us going to God and then to the well-qualified physicians, we now go to the magnetic healers. We go to all these other things that people tell us. Somebody came to me one day and said, you know, if you use a piece of soap and put it at the bottom of your bed. It was in the plain dealer, y'all. I was like, oh, really? And like a little something, I went right with it. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me. Superstition. And superstition is tied to witchcraft. And witchcraft is of the devil. Yes. As a matter of fact, the word of God says that they were to kill witches right. and warlocks. That's right. That's right. But look, she goes on to say, the mother watching by the sickbed of her child exclaims, I can do no more. Is there no physician who has the power to restore my child? She is told of the wonderful cures performed by some clairvoyant or magnetic healer. And she trusts her dear one to his charge, placing it as verily where? In the hand of Satan, as if he were standing by her side. Do you have that visual, y'all? 
We're talking about generational curses. We're talking about family matters. But when we look for healing in the wrong place, there's a song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, we look for healing in all the wrong places. And the woman of God says that we set the child up as if placing, here, Satan, take my baby girl. My God, my God. Oh, in many instances, the future, read this with me. In many instances, the future life of the child is controlled by a satanic power, which it seems Now, that's good news in that, though. It seems impossible. I read somewhere that if it were possible, even the very left would be deceived. But it's not possible. So it is possible to break the hold of the enemy. Glory. Let me see. Let's go. Let's read it together. Those who give themselves up to the sorcery of Satan may boast of great benefit received. But does this prove their course to be wise or safe? What if life should be prolonged? What if temporal gain should be secured? Will it pay in the end to have disregarded the will of God? All such apparent gain will prove at last an irrecoverable loss. We cannot with impunity break down a single barrier which God has erected to guard his people from Satan's power. Looking for healing in all the wrong places. So then, that's where we need to break the curse. Let's keep on going. So now we identify the curse. Number two, we confess and repent of that specific sin. You got to go to Daniel chapter 9 in your free time. And in that chapter, verses 5 through 19, actually throughout the thing, he is confessing. He recognizes that we have sinned as a people. And he is specific. We've been rebellious, God. We didn't listen to the prophets. Wait a minute. Did I just read, read from one of the prophets of God? Anyway, we have been disobedient and didn't listen to the prophets of God. He talks about them being, about killing them. He goes on, he's specific about it. And then you remember with David and Nathan? When, Dave, when Nathan, the prophet, showed up and said to David, um, uh, you know, you are the man, he confessed. We got to confess and repent of that specific sin. You know what we're famous for? God, please forgive me for all my sins. Ah. Amen. Yes. Yeah, just cover it all, huh? <laughs> you need to go down that list. Yes. Yes, Lord. And uh, confess it out loud. That's right. To the Lord. You and him. Because the devil already saw you do it. Because he was the one that instigated it. So, you know, we get in these things about don't want to pray out loud. Mm. The word of God says, confess with your mouth. Yes. Yes. You got to say that stuff out loud. So then, number one, identify the curse. Number two, confess and repent of that what? Specific sin. So if it's alcoholism, you need to call it out by name and repent. And notice, Daniel was living a godly life, yet he included himself in it. So don't stand praying, Lord, she sure enough need it. My grandbaby, she a trip. You know you need to deliver her. Mm. Remember, she came from you. The next one, number three, bind the enemy. We really get messed up with binding and loosing. In Adventism, you don't hear us talk about that. But look at the word of God. Go to Matthew 16, verse 19. Let's go to the word of God. Go to the word of God. Matthew 16, verse 19. We, don't, we, we say, well, that's for the other folk. Uh-uh. That's for the people who believe in Jesus Christ. The word of God says in Matthew 16, verse 19. Let's read that together if you have it. And who's speaking in this text is no one, no, none other than Jesus. And he says, and I will give unto thee the what? Keys of the kingdom 
of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt what? Bind on earth shall be what? Bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt what? Loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So bind up means nothing more than, you know, tying up together. It also means destroying. Go to uh, Matthew 12, 29. So go back a little few. Matthew 12, 29. Let's read that. My Lord. These are the texts you can read in your own time. Matthew 12, verse 29. Oh, good. 29, he has it up there. Let's go. Now, mind you, they've just accused Jesus of casting out a devil by the power of the devil. Church folk will do that to you, you know. They'll accuse you of one thing when in truth they're guilty of it themselves. The word of God says, and Jesus says, or how can one enter a what? Strong man's house and what? Plunder his goods unless he what? First binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. You've got to bind the strong man. Yes, sir. That's why God says, watch and pray. Bind him. So you've got to bind him. But I read in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is what? In me. Than he that is what? In the world. So God has given us the power to be able to bind up the enemy. And wait, you've got to see the other one. Um, Mark 3.27 puts it, in other words, the same story, but it does something, oh, that I like in this one. That's not in the first one. I'm going to read it from the King James. Mark 3.27. No man can enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he will first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. Oh, this is it's basically the same. There's another one. I can't remember where it is right now. But bottom line is, you got to be able to bind up the enemy first before you can take what he's stolen from you. We love to sing this song, you know. I'm going to go and take back what the devil stole from me. But you got to bind him up first. That's why you ain't got your stuff back. You're walking up in there and you ain't bound him. And he's beating your behind silly. Bind him first. So then, how do we do that? Bind him. The word of God, there's, two, there's several ways you bind the enemy. Two in particular that I want to deal with is, one, call on the name of Jesus. The word of God says, ah, the name of Jesus is a strong tower. The righteous run in it and are what? Now, you know, there was a time, church, when we knew the word of God that we could quote it left and right. We got to get back to studying the word of God, church. So those of you who know it, it says what? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous running into it and are what? Safe. Safe. The name of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. And that was Proverbs 18, verse 10. But in Philippians 2, he talks about that there's no other name like the name of Jesus. A name so exalted, it says that every knee shall bow. In heaven, above the heavens, under the heavens, under the earth, in the water, wherever they're at. That includes the enemy. At the name of Jesus, he's got to bow. The word of God says, submit yourselves. James 4, something around there, verse 7 or 8. Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil, then he will what? Flee. We're trying to resist the devil and ain't submitted. Do you notice that we try to do things out of order? Hmm. So one, calling on his name is one. I remember being at a certain place and teaching some children how to cast out demons. (laughs) And the first thing I told them is, one, say, Jesus, forgive me. Didn't we just deal with that before? To confess it? Then I said, the next thing to say is, Jesus, help me. That's calling on the name Jesus. And then the third one was, devil, leave me alone. That's right. That's right. That's right. Three simple That's steps. Word. That's the word. That's right. Lord, did I get in a whole bunch of trouble for teaching children wow. 
that prayer. Wow. Wow. Oh, well. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. They know it now and they know how to be delivered. Yeah. Glory. Call on the name of Jesus. And then the next one, the binding the enemy is applying the blood. We know, we know the story in Exodus chapter 12 where God says, put blood on your what? On your doorposts. Was there any power in putting blood on the doorposts? No, just like anointing. There's no power in the oil. The power comes in being obedient. Yes. 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 That's right. Remember, we got into the generational curses because of disobedience. So then, applying the blood of Jesus was the act to let them know of what was to come. That there would be one named Jesus who would come, whose blood will save them from their sins. So then, after you identify the curse and then you confess and you repent of the specific sin, you bind the enemy by now after you call on the name of Jesus because you can't do it without Jesus. Remember um, the sons of Siva? Yes. They got a beat down. <laughs> what was it? Peter I know, yes. Paul I know, yes. and Jesus I know. But as I said, who you be? <laughs> who you be? And they whooped up on them till they were naked. Some of us are naked in our homes and out in the street. My God. Yeah. Apply the blood of Jesus. Mercy, Lord. Because the blood of Jesus, when you read the scriptures, it's the blood of Jesus that covers our sins. It's the blood of Jesus. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the what? Blood of the Lamb. So that's how you bind. I just gave you two ways to know how to bind the enemy. Now, the next one. After you bind the enemy, you got to loose the Spirit of God. You got to loose. When you bind them up, you got to loose something. When you look at the story in Matthew chapter 12 and Luke chapter 11, there's the story of when Jesus says, which ties into what we just read a minute ago, it's that same thing where he was casting out the devil, and they said, uh, you the devil yourself, you're doing it through his power. He later on tells the story of a man who was demon-possessed, and then the devil was cast out. But the devil goes around walking around, the demon goes around walking around, and then finally says, I'm going to go back. Because it's nice and clean. And the Bible says he took back how many more with him? And what, were, what was key about these seven? They were worse than the last one. So now he got how many inside of him? Eight! Talk about mess! Mercy. When you lose... When you bind the enemy, you've got to have the Spirit of God yes. come. Yes. yes. You've got to have the Spirit of God. You guys went through those 40 days with um, Dennis Smith. What's his name? Dennis Smith? Yeah. And he talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every day we need to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not a one deal shot. One saved, always saved. Every day because you can choose him today. But by tonight you might say... Forget you, Jesus. Every day, we need to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So then, loose the Spirit of God. So then, if the problem is, for example, alcoholism, that means there's a problem with appetite. That's right. That's right. So then, you need to loose the Spirit of God that says, Lord, give them a hunger for righteousness. Give them a thirst for you because they're thirsting for the wrong thing, Jesus. You gotta be specific in what you lose. Yes, loose the spirit of God, but call out the specific thing. There's the fruit of the spirit. Love. Somebody with a temper, they need patience. So loose the spirit, the fruit of patience in that situation. And then the next one. Those are the texts. Galatians 5.22 is dealing with the fruit of the spirit. And the last two. Number five. Believe and accept That's right. that the curse is broken. Some of us, we will pray a thing and confess a thing, and about 10 minutes later, we back in that thing, oh God, I'm struggling with this thing. When you take it to God, You've got to believe and accept. One of my texts that I love, go with me to uh, Matthew 21, 22. Matthew 21, 22. This is a powerful text. 
Matthew 21, 22, and I want us to read that together. Let's go. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. I have a question. Does God want to see us delivered? I believe it. Is that his will? Yes. Go to another passage of scripture. Go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And I want us to look at verses 14 and 15. Talking about family matters. Let's read. We just read that in all things. You ask, believing, you will receive. And here, 14, let's go. Now this is the confidence. Let's read it together, y'all. Come on. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he what? The next one. We know that we have the petitions we have asked. Is he a prayer hearing God? So if you ask anything in accordance to his will, he hears you. And because you know he hears you, you know you have what you've asked. So if you've asked for the curse to be broken, not only on a your lineage, but the lineage onward. Yes, that's right. Hallelujah. And we go through the steps of dealing with it and not just passing it over like, or whatever. We got to deal with some stuff. Some of us don't go to the doctor because we're like, oh, it'll pass over. And then next thing you know, oh, it's a tumor. It's stage five. Because you passed it over. And there were signs and symptoms all the while. But what did we do? Ignore them. God is giving us signs and symptoms. This teaching is his way of giving a sign and a symptom. Because yes. he's coming soon, so he needs us to have, he says he's coming back for a church without what? Spot or wrinkle, Ephesians 5.27. So then, the last one. We got into the mess because of disobedience. So now as we go through the steps, we end with number six. Live a life of obedience. But how many of us know that that is impossible on our own? Anybody ever tried it? On their own? That's right. Oh, oh, just a few of you? Mm. <laughs> Live a life of obedience. We cannot do it in our own strength. But look what God does. God is so good. I got to read these scriptures and then we close out. Ezekiel 36. Go there. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. This is a scripture that I encourage if you don't know it by memory, memorize it. This is a scripture that you can take to the bank. This is a sweet one. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. This is God making the promise to us. Let's go. Let's read it together. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the what? Stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my what? Spirit within you. And cause you to what? Walk in my statues. And ye shall what? Keep my judgments and what? Do them. In other words, God said, I've set it up that through the new heart, Psalm 51, 10, created me a what? Clean heart, oh God, and renew a what? Right spirit. Through a new heart and a new spirit, we're able to keep his commandments. Every single one of them, guess what? Every single time, Hallelujah. every single day. Yes, yes. But guess what? Back to that ideology. Yes. We really don't think that's possible. So we got to break that generous curse. But the word of God says that we're able to do it. And Deuteronomy 28 tells you the blessings of those. He says, oh, he says, blessings will overtake you. And I got the visual of me just walking. Yes. And the next thing you know, I just find myself doing a light jog. And next thing you know, I'm just running. And the blessings are coming behind me to catch up with me. They catch up with me, then they pass me. So now I walk into blessings. I walk into blessings. Oh, ain't that good news? A life.
dealing with generational curses now has turned. Yes. God says in Isaiah 61 verse 7, I will give you double for your shame. Yes. Yes. Double for your shame. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Uh, in Zephaniah 3 19, he says, I will turn, I will undo all your all that has afflicted you. Oh my, what a word, undo what a word. It. I will undo it. Yes. And the one that halteth, I'm going to take care of her. The one who's been lamed, maimed, and beaten down because of the enemy gods, I'm going to take care of you. But then he goes on. Oh God. And at the end of that, and he says, and I will get praise and fame. For you in every land that you were put to shame. What a word. In every place where the enemy set out to curse you. Mercy. Through your generational line and otherwise. God says, I'm going to undo that bad boy. Because some of the stuff we're dealing with, no medicine. Can help it, ah. but but divine intervention. Yes. So then, my question is yes. simply this: Anybody? Does your family matter to you? Raise your hand if your family matters to you. Hallelujah. So then, now the question is: Are you going to take the time and walk in obedience and reverse the curse, break the curse? I have a grandbaby now. She'll be two years old. And they just moved back here, moved here to Cleveland. And when I heard the news of the possibility, I actually pray God, I would love it if they came. Because see, I recognize I have jacked up my children. Amen. Come on, sis. Come on. Yeah, be real. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Because I realize that my parents jacked me up. Come on, sis. And guess Come what? On. I realized that my mama and daddy's parents jacked them up. Come on, sis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it hit me the other day. My grandfather just died in June. He came here about two a year ago for the baby dedication. It was five generations. Somebody, you see where I'm going? It was five generations, and the word of God says, unto the third and fourth generation. My granddaddy, my mama, me, Javern. Here's my granddaddy. One, two, three. Javern was the fourth generation. That means for my grandbaby, Alice Jordan Davis. Hallelujah! Freedom from stuff she don't have to deal with because the curse is broken. Wow. <laughs> but guess what? I still have my part to play. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. In making sure the devil don't get no entryway yeah. to start up some more stuff. Shut the door. Yes. Shut the door. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. You became sin for us according to Galatians yes. oh, chapter 3.13. You became the curse for us by hanging on the tree. You broke the curse. But God, the enemy has us so in this state of lack of knowledge that we walk around not knowing the curse has been broken. So he heats stuff on us. We carry it around and we pass it on. But today you've come to make it clear that in the life I intended for you, the life I have in mind is one that is an abundant one. One that I have not seen or ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. What I got for you. That's right, that's right. Oh God. Mm. I recognize that for some, this word 
really worked in some places that was very uncomfortable. But I bless you, God, for it. Because your word says, iron sharpens iron. That's right. <clears throat> so, God, I'm praying that each of us, now that we've heard, will agree, make a deliberate and ah, conscious decision yes, yes. to agree with, for saith the Lord, yes. and to watch what you will do. Not only in our lives, but God in our generations until you step forth off of that place, that yeah. cloud, to get us to go home with you. God, I cover this church, and I pray, God, that your spirit would move mightily, that folk will stop the generational curse of the gossiping. Oof. The generational curse. They could stop it with themselves. Ah, with the generational curse of rebellion. Oh, yes. With the generational curse, God. Bind it, Lord. They can stop it through your spirit. Yes. yes. So that your spirit can flow even more mightily through your people in yes. this house. Yes, Lord. I cover your manservant yes. and his wife and their yes. children yes. Yes. that as they stand before yes. as Moses mm. that the people you've sent here wow. for such a time as this yes. would be his errands and hers yes. raising his hand yes. making sure that the battle is won. Yes. We bless you God and we thank, thank you for hearing and answering every prayer. In Jesus' name, hey. amen. 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 What a word. What a word. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give God praise. How many thank the Lord for the word?